daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Happy Tuesday, all you Gamecocks. J.C. Sherbert here with you. It's the Inside the Gamecocks daily. Uh, skipped yesterday. I had to get back into town, but I am back uh, and ready to roll. I uh, was out watching the Super Bowl somewhere, and so good to be with you here today. Um, not much in the way of breaking news to react to over the weekend. Uh, got some... Uh, Got some, uh, you know, analysis, if you if you will, and some talk, uh, and so wanted to give you your Gamecock daily dose right here. Going to start with a little football news. I don't think it's news uh, in the sense that it's something that I think is likely to happen. Gamecock's defensive line coach John Scott Jr., according to our Penn State site on twenty four seven Sports, is uh, on the hot board for their open defensive line position. Uh I don't know. You know, John Scott Jr., he's been at Carolina a year. He's coached all over the place, Arkansas, the New York Jets, Texas Tech. He's from Greer, South Carolina, which is kind of my neck of the woods. Uh, he's home. He just had a really good year. One of his guys, Javon Kinlaw, is probably going to be a top ten pick. Uh, recruiting well. I, You know, I, I know Penn State, and I'm going to say this because people have asked about it on the board. You know, Penn State has money. Um, those Big Ten schools annually bring in more TV money than the SEC schools for right now. Um, it's not going to be that way for long because the CBS, ESPN, Disney deal with the game of the week is going to kick in and probably nothing will rival what the SEC is paying out at that point. But the Big Ten schools have money. You have to think about this. And, and I think down south sometimes we all believe that, you know, we're the shining – Shangri-La of college football and yeah there's great teams down here and when you talk about on the field and you know facilities and things like that uh you know the south is where it's at the sun belt if you will going to the new mexico texas border because <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to compliment the arizona schools uh arizona is part of the sun belt and so is california but uh i think that you know going from jacksonville to the the texas new mexico border that's kind of where it's at but those schools up north do have money. I mean, the Big Ten Conference encompasses the entire northern fourth of the United States of America. Uh, and included in the TV markets is Chicago, New York, uh, D.C., Baltimore, uh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Detroit. Uh, you can go down uh, in, in other parts of it, too. Uh, you know, Indianapolis uh, is in there. Uh, and so they're, they've got a lot of television eyes, and that's a lot of value. Plus, those schools are huge. Uh, the Big Ten schools have gigantic student populations, most of them, and uh, they're big land-grant schools that have a crap load of alumni. Um, and, and so there's great value in a Big Ten network. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so how does this relate? So Penn State can afford to pay him. Uh, Penn State made a run at Elijah Robinson, uh, who's an alum of Penn State, who's the D-line coach at Texas A&M now. He elected to stay at A&M. So James Franklin and that bunch is, is on the move. Now, I, I just, you know, from what I hear and, and my feeling about it, I just don't know that, that John Scott is going to take off after a year at South Carolina and uh, head, you know, he's moved around a lot, you know, and he's home. Like I said, he's from Greer, from the upstate uh, and, you know, you, you, you want to you probably bloom where you're planted for a while, uh, I would think, if, if you were him. So 
you know, I wanted to start with that because it's always interesting to talk about coaches. Uh, I think he ended up being a really good hire. Will Muschamp brought him in to replace Lance Thompson. I thought the D-line got better and better this year. A lot of the guys he and Mike Peterson both coached individually got better. Uh, and they're looking to make another jump for next year. You know, we, we talked about the defensive line, Tony and I, uh, in the episode last Wednesday. Uh, and that's a spot on the field that has a lot of potential. And John Scott Jr. is a guy that's uh, definitely there uh, that can do it. You know, he was involved. He and Mike Peterson and Travars Robinson and Muschamp all kind of worked Jordan Birch uh, in recruiting this year. And uh, I think the defensive line class, when you add Birch to it, is going to be one of the better ones. Uh, and that'll be probably the second or third year in a row the Gamecocks have gotten some dudes, for lack of a better term, uh, on the defensive line. You know, people nowadays, when they when they talk about players being good, they're like, Those, that's a dude right there. That's a dude. Brah. <laughs> so people, uh, I guess the, the kids talk that way nowadays. But the, the Gamecocks have some dudes. Um, and John Scott Jr. probably would want to coach them, I would think. So that's... That's something that's out there floating around. Uh, you know, just give you a little inside info on that. Inside, I, I don't, I don't see anything materializing there. Um, anything can always happen when you're dealing with recruiting, when you're dealing with coaching, and all that. So I'll, I'll say that that nothing's a hundred percent. But I just can't see him heading off to Penn State, uh, and it's not money because, uh, like I said, I explained why Penn State can pay him top dollar, but. Um, I just don't see that happening, you know, right now. And, and the home factor, you know, if he were from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I would probably think, well, you know, there's a chance he could take it. Uh, and Will Muschamp, if you think about it, has done a very good job, you know, keeping guys in the mix. I mean, I think one guy has left for another job that was Coleman Hutzler. Uh, everybody else kind of got shown the door or fired. Um I think. Hopefully I'm not leaving somebody out there. But certainly guys have had opportunities. Travaris Robinson, Brian McClendon, Bobby Bentley has had opportunities. They've, they've all had chances to, to go on. Oh, Sean Elliott. I forgot about Sean Elliott. But Sean Elliott got a head coaching job. I mean, you can't expect him not to take Georgia State. And he's done a fantastic job taking them to two bowl games in three years for the first time in that program's history. So, you know, he jumped at a great opportunity. And so, you know, that's kind of what's uh, – What's happening there? You know, I think I think Will Muschamp does a good job. Ray Tanner, the athletic director at Carolina, does a good job of giving Will Muschamp the resources needed to keep guys. Um, I will tell you this: it was a different philosophy when Steve Spurrier was the head coach and Eric Hyman was the athletic director in terms of uh, letting guys go if they wanted to go. You know, guys had better opportunities; they they went so. Or what they consider to be better opportunities. So, and uh, that, that got that program into trouble. I think staff stability is very important. You know, people talk about Clemson and their ability to keep their staff together, uh, and they have. And, and, and I want to point this out. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, if you're a Gamecock fan, you're frustrated by, you know, your rival never having any, any bad news. Well, I also want you to think about this. If, if Will Muschamp had tried to put together the staff Dabo Sweeney did at Clemson, people at Carolina would be rioting because, you know, none of those guys – okay, Mike Reed at Clemson came from NC State, Carolina's guy. Of course, Brent Venables came from Oklahoma. They hired Chad Morris out of Tulsa with one year of college coaching experience. They promoted from within Tony Elliott, Jeff Scott. Their only Power 5 assistant jobs have been at Clemson. 
Robbie Caldwell was, of course, the interim head coach head and uh, offensive line coach at Vanderbilt, uh, and he finally came home and coached at Clemson. Um, you know, their guys on defense, Bates, Lemansky Hall, all those guys, this is their first Power 5 gig at Clemson. And most of them are either connected to Clemson and that they went there. Uh, Danny Pierman also has kind of been a journeyman. He's been around a lot, but Clemson grad. So he's, he's obviously on that staff. You know, those guys have all – they're either Clemson guys or they're connected to Dabo through Alabama. And that's the bottom line. And so I, I think that, uh, you know, if, if you're South Carolina, you know, obviously, you know, Will Muschamp had tried to put together a staff with, you know, Gamecocks or, you know, guys that he knew from wherever – you know, it wouldn't be, you know, and, and people may say now that, you know, the, the staff has taken a decidedly turn towards Georgia folks because Mike Bobo, Thomas Brown, Brian McClendon, you know, Will Muschamp himself, they all went to Georgia. Uh, all, all of them are UGA guys. But I, I think that uh, that's the difference. You know, Clemson's not like Alabama in the sense that, you know, Nick Saban will have a revolving door of guys. Uh, that comes in and out. You know, they got names elsewhere. They kind of go in there and coach a couple of years and then leave. But it's a different situation. It's not like Saban has a bunch of Alabama guys or, you know, any of that. Of course, a lot of guys have connections to Saban. So that's why Clemson doesn't have the turnover they have. You know, Jeff Scott, I think he and Brad Scott will have been, would have been absolutely dumb not to go to USF because given his ties to the West Coast of Florida, given the potential of that program, you know, I think that uh, I think that that was a no-brainer for him. Um, you know, Skip Holtz and Charlie Strong, two guys we all know, uh, didn't didn't make it happen there, but they did have some limited success. And of course, Willie Taggart, of all people, had a lot of success there. Um, and, and that's a program in the American that I think you know they're kind of overshadowed right now by UCF. But I think that over there in Tampa, USF does have a shot. So anyway, that that's kind of the long and short of staffing. I wanted to talk about today. But no, I don't think John Scott Jr. is going anywhere. Uh, The second signing day is tomorrow, and I mentioned Jordan Birch, and he made an official visit to Carolina over the weekend, and all is quiet on the Western front, to coin a phrase. Uh, With that, I think that LSU people, uh, Carolina people, everybody kind of thinks he's going to stick with the Gamecocks. And so, you know, very good official visit for him and his mom over the weekend. You know, as I said earlier, just like coaching searches and coaching changes, there's no absolutes. But I feel really good about the Gamecocks holding on to Jordan Birch tomorrow. And I think that uh, that's a big, big deal. I mean, you know, second year in a row, you get a top 10 national prospect at the defensive line, on the defensive line, out of your state, uh, D line heaven. Um, That's a big deal. Uh, You know, do I think that this coming year, that Jordan Birch, out of all the guys they've signed, is going to be the most important guy in terms of on the field next year? Probably not. Um, I think he will play, and I think, you know, a lot of how much he plays will be up to, you know, his progression, because I do think he'll need development, as we talked about last Wednesday. Uh, but I would have to go with Marshawn Lloyd as the guy that, you know, at a position that can directly impact the game. You know, that guy – is is very 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 important um so you know th- that's kind of how i feel there but from perception from a you know future standpoint from the the trending of the in-state players going to south carolina 
uh, over Clemson, you know, Pickens and now Birch, you know, so you, you got kind of a – Clemson doesn't offer that many guys in state right these days, but uh, I, I think that that's, you know, that's been kind of a positive for the Gamecocks, and then you can go get the, you know, the Birches and Pickenses of the world and, and be happy. So I, I think that, um, you know, all is good with the Jordan-Birch thing. Uh, obviously, we'll have a lot tomorrow um, as far as this podcast goes and on the com. On Birch. Okay, so off after Birch, we have wide receiver Jacari Caldwell out of Northwestern High School in Rock Hill. Also made an official visit to Carolina over the weekend. Went very well. Taught a couple of contacts about him because I, I think he's a got a chance to be pretty good. Um, and they feel like, you know, they'd be shocked if he went anywhere but South Carolina. South Carolina's kind of his dream school uh, or whatever. Big, smooth, wide receiver. You know, I think, you know, you got Rico Powers, Mike Wyman, Jakari Caldwell. Yeah, I probably like Caldwell better than the other two. Uh, although I do think Powers has a good shot at being pretty good. Um, and I think Wyman, you know, we'll see what happens. It's good that he enrolled early. Uh, not a great senior year, but I think we can kind of – we'll kind of see about him, you know, because sometimes guys don't have great senior years. And they end up being pretty good in college and bouncing back. Uh, and so I think it was pretty good that he got in early and he can go in and start competing for snaps and learning the offense and all that good stuff. But Caldwell, to me, you know, he could be the next in-state wide receiver that, that pops up and goes to Carolina and ends up blowing up, you know. You got Brian Edwards and Debo Samuel and, uh, you know, Farrow Cooper was from North Carolina, but he was kind of a, one of those Shrine Bowl stars. Um, Bruce Ellington. You know, you go all the way back. Um, you know, Alshon Jeffrey obviously was heavily recruited, but he was a guy Clemson didn't recruit. Uh, Sidney Rice, Clemson didn't recruit, you know. And so you can kind of go back through the, the in-state guys, and, and they pop up at you over the last 20 years at, at South Carolina, and they're all pretty good. You know, Debo Samuel in the Super Bowl was outstanding. I mean, just an outstanding rookie year for Debo Samuel. I mean, I think that, wow, you know, I was just, I was extremely impressed. Some people say, well, the 49ers got away from using him and that's why they blew the lead. But I I don't know, you know, I'm I'm kind of a Falcons fan. And so Kyle Shanahan blowing a lead (laughs) in the Super Bowl, uh, that's tough. But I, you know, on that game, I really never thought, by the way, congrats to Rashad Fenton uh, and Chris Lamont, who were part of that Chiefs roster and Rodriguez Wilson, who is a uh, an assistant coach for the Kansas City Chiefs? All three Gamecocks, all three Super Bowl champions. You know, watching the Chiefs during the playoffs, I, I sort of felt like it's going to be tough. They're almost like they were almost like LSU this year. You know, Clemson gets up seventeen seven in that championship game, and then you could just almost you, you saw LSU adjust and start going up and down the field, and then that was that. Now the Chiefs took a little bit longer, you know. It was till you know six minutes to go in the game before they started, but but you know once they started rolling, they rolled. I mean, I remember the game with the Texans and the game with the Titans. I mean, they once they started going, I mean, it happened and it happened in a hurry. You know, hats off to Andy Reid uh, winning his first Super Bowl, and you know Kansas City has really good fans. Really, Chiefs fans are really good. They pack it out, um, and so I'm happy for them today. Uh, not happy for Debo Samuel for losing it, but I thought as far as performing on the biggest stage in football, you know, this kid from Inman, South Carolina, Chapman High School, Spartanburg County, um, you know, 
performed about as well as you could think. So I, hats off to Debo. I, I think he's got a great future uh, in San Francisco. And uh, certainly, like I said, in-state wide receiver, you know, I don't want to say lightly recruited, but, you know, Gamecocks beat North Carolina on him. He was a uh, 24-7 sports composite three-star, not the two of my own horn, but that was one of my, my, my later years in doing evaluations for 24-7. And I had him as a 92 uh, four-star after I saw him at Shrine Bowl. And really, of the guys that blew up at Shrine Bowl over the years, if, if I think about the ones that surprised me the most in a good way, I would have to go with Debo Samuel and then Todd Gurley, who's from North Carolina, who obviously went to Georgia and is a fantastic running back. And you guys know the story about Todd Gurley. So, anyway, hats off to all those guys. Um, circling back to Jakari Caldwell, like I said, uh, you know, based on what I've been told, it's going to be a surprise if he goes elsewhere. Tennessee got involved late. They had him in on an official visit. But I think it's, it's Gamecocks right now for him tomorrow and uh good to get back in rock hill uh they got a 2021 kid at rock hill high school uh we keep talking about oots the tight end um so the rock hill area is cycling back up it went through a couple years where you know maybe there wasn't the top end talent but it looks like it's cycling back up and that's always a good thing joe cox of course new assistant coach now has the rock hill area for the game cox rock hill and charlotte um let's see if he can make some noise up there in his home area uh, it's Joe Cox, the tight ends coach for the Gamecocks. And if I didn't mention him when I was mentioning the former Georgia people earlier. So, yeah, there's another Georgia guy. Joe Cox, Georgia, Mike Bobo, Georgia, Brian McClendon, Georgia, Thomas Brown, Georgia, Will Muschamp, Georgia. Just about that. And I think the director of football operations is also a Georgia grad. So, you know, there's a lot of Georgia people on the Gamecocks staff right now. Um so, you know, we have that. So we have Ja'Cory Caldwell. Then Zaquandre White. I have trouble saying it because of the Q and the R. That's a very difficult name to say. You wouldn't think with the white at the end because you got to go to a W there. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? Uh, Zaquandre White uh, out of Fort Myers, North Fort Myers, Florida. Um, Iowa Western Junior College. Signed with Florida State. Was a mid-four-star guy out of high school. Um, didn't work out. Moved to linebacker there. Went to junior college and uh, played running back again. And now he's going to come be a Gamecock. I, I think this is a heck of a get in terms of depth. Um, because, you know, you look at who you have coming back at running back. You got Kevin Harris, uh, who's a different type of back, who I think they're going to use some at fullback and some all over the place. I think he's perfectly capable. And, I, and I'm intrigued by a potential Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd combo next year because uh, I think he's going to be pretty good. Um, and that's based on more than just the Charleston Southern game where Charleston Southern wasn't stopping anybody. Um, and then Deshaun Fenwick, who in the two games we've seen him get carries, he was gone for over 100 yards. And that's just two games in two years. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Fenwick, I still think, has some potential. But – you still have guys that, that, you know, when you combine Lloyd and then Rashad Amos is coming in, you, you still have guys that don't have – that aren't older. They're younger players. Uh, Harris is a redshirt freshman. Fenwick will be a redshirt sophomore. Um, you know, and then Lloyd will be a true freshman. Amos a true freshman. So you've got a young room. I think having an older guy that's sort of been through college football before uh, will help. And uh, will Zaquandre White be the starter? I don't know. I'm, my money's still on Marshawn Lloyd. 
but I think he can absolutely help this football team, and it's absolutely a need. Um, and he's the number one rated JUCO back in the country. So if you're going to go get, if you if you if you swear by the rankings, um, you know you, he's the top JUCO running back in the country. So uh, that will be another feather in the cap for this class, in my opinion. Um, and the Gamecocks could you know get him. So those three, that's who you're kind of looking at. I don't know that they'll probably won't be a big surprise. Uh, I think they'll have one spot left uh, if all goes according to plan. And with that one spot, I expect them to pursue maybe a grad transfer that can come in early over the summer. Um, and I would think it'd probably be a receiver or a DB. It's just a guess. Receiver, DB, you know, somebody that can come in and help at one of those two positions. Probably a receiver or a safety would be my guess. Um, maybe a running back if you can get a really good one. Um, but I think that, you know, you look at those two positions and you could use a guy that can come in and, and play for a year and give you a solid, you know, solid run of it uh, at receiver or safety. So I expect that to happen. And we, of course, at on the com and here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, we will have plenty of coverage of signing day two uh, tomorrow. Um, so be sure to, to lock on on the Internet, lock on here on this podcast, and uh, we'll get it rolling uh, as far as that goes. It's a Wednesday, so that should be a, a good one. So we'll see kind of how everything plays out tomorrow uh, in terms of that. But I, I think, you know, all signs point now to Birch sticking. Um, and I think that that's, a, that's about as good as you can do, <laughs> given the season you had. So I think that, you know, you have to – you have to credit Will Muschamp and the coaching staff for, you know, because, look, just like in life, uh, just like with anything, you know, bad things happen. And going forward eight is an inexcusably bad thing. Uh, I'll maintain that. But what are you going to do? I mean, you know, you, that happens. You know, you can't go back and replay the games and erase it, you know. So, so the only thing you can do is go to work and, you know, try to get better. I mean, that that's literally, you know, the only option. Uh, and they went to work and on the recruiting trail and tried to get better, and here you go. They got a top, you know, 15 to 20 class. They got another five-star D lineman coming in. They got another really good quarterback coming in. They got a, what I think is a five-star running back coming in, and Marshawn Lloyd. Um, good defensive lineman, good offensive line class. Uh, we'll see how good – how much of an impact the receivers make, uh, but I'll, uh, you know, I, we'll see what they do. Um, you know, I, I do think there's some potential there. So, you know, Carolina, you know, I think uh, with well, this class has done, you know, pretty well. You know, in terms of everything. I mean, you know, I didn't even mention a guy like Eric Shaw, who I think uh, obviously he's going to start at tight end, but I think he's a shown that he's an explosive pass rusher and you always need guys like that so I don't know I think a lot depends on like the other guys on the roster and how they work out at tight end as to whether or not Eric Shaw ends up being the guy you know Jaheim Bell I have no idea where Jaheim Bell is going to play I think he could start out at wide receiver to be honest with you I think he's that kind of dynamic playmaker has to get healthy you know so there's a lot of guys that, that they've done a good job with and you know, the talent level will continue to creep up. Uh, what they do with it remains to be seen. But um, 
I, I think that when you're in the situation Will Muschab and his staff are in and you have a disappointing year, you know, bad things happen, but it's how you respond to them. And the response so far, I, I think, has been overwhelmingly positive. Now, you know, some of the folks out there are going to take a wait-and-see approach, quite frankly. I, I don't blame you. I'm there, too. Um, and so until they tee it up against Coastal, <laughs> you know, there's going to be skepticism. And honestly, until they probably beat a team that you want to beat, Missouri or whoever, you know, you're, you're going to – there's going to be skepticism, you know. Um, so we'll see kind of how everything goes uh, during the off season and, and then into next season. It should be, you know, I, I think that this class it was just what the doctor ordered as far as the football program goes at South Carolina. Because I think that you know you're not going to you're not going to save it by recruiting, um, but that does cause some positive feelings, and it, it does kind of make you wonder. What happens if you're not staring at four and eight? You know, what if what if you were nine and three next year or something, or you, you get to ten wins again, or you know things turn around? You know, imagine the recruiting that could be done at that point. I, I think there's always going to be a ceiling uh, as far as what you can recruit at South Carolina, but I also think that uh, you know you can you can nudge on up towards the top ten um, at some point. I absolutely believe that. So we'll see kind of what happens. We'll see what happens there. So that's football for today. Basketball. Uh, didn't get a chance to be with you yesterday. Watched the Missouri game over the weekend. Thought it was a very complete game. Missouri's a very good defensive team. Um, not so much on offense. Gamecocks bottled them up pretty good. The crowd was lively and in the game. Um, Mike Coates are. You know, what can you say about him and his performance from the opening tip, really? Mike Kosar went out, and he wasn't going to be denied. I mean, and, and he's always a guy that hustles and gets after it. But, hey, the shots were falling for him. Uh, he was obviously fired up. I thought Jermaine Cousinard had a really good game, you know, after not really scoring that much against Arkansas. Uh, A.J. Lawson continues to play well. And the guys looked like they were having fun, you know. And, hey, it's fun to – to kick a team's teeth in, so to speak, you know there have been a lot of uh, a lot of close ones, you know, for this team this year. So I think basketball is going fine. I'm worried or concerned about Justin Manaya's injury because Justin Manaya, you know, there's games he fills up the stat sheet. You know, I think he had 18 and 12 the other night, but then there's games where he doesn't. But his presence and his rebounding and his hustle. And as Frank Martin likes to say, his enthusiasm are, are there. And I, I think that's a significant loss. You know, he's a guy that, that does a lot of good that maybe you don't see, see in the stat sheet. And the Gamecocks have to play Ole Miss on the road. I watched some Ole Miss. I watched them play LSU this weekend. They were down 20 at the half, came back, cut it to whatever, lost by 10 in Baton Rouge. They are a better team than their record shows. You know, they took Auburn to the wire. That game is in Oxford. If it was in Columbia, you know, maybe it's not as big of a concern, but you got to go out there. And this is an Ole Miss team that, even though their record's bad, they haven't given up on Kermit Davis. Uh, and he's an excellent coach. And they're going to be looking for a win to snap their, their streak. So, you know, this week's game is tricky. If you win it, you get to the all important six and three at the halfway point of the SEC season. Lose it, you're still five and four. You know, that's a tough loss. 
net rankings-wise because they're kind of in the 140s right now. Um, but without Manaya, you know, I think that adds a layer of intrigue to this game uh, and is going to make it very tough. But we'll talk about that um, tomorrow, some preview that game. Uh, Gamecocks and Ole Miss uh, out at uh, out at the uh, in Oxford at the I guess they call it the Pavilion. I think that's the name of their their arena out there. Very nice, very good home court advantage there for the Rebels. But I, you know, Gamecocks did not go up in the net very much. Win the win with the win over Missouri, a home win like that. Sometimes it doesn't move the needle as much. But uh, road wins certainly do. And so we'll see kind of how that affects the Gamecocks. So right now, well, Ole Miss isn't in the 1-4. Ole Miss is 111. And South Carolina 74. Uh, Tennessee's dropped to 70. Uh, okay, so I'll go through it for you. Auburn 18, LSU 22nd, Kentucky 27th, Arkansas 35. Mississippi State, who's been in fuego. Gamecocks have to play those guys twice. 37th, Alabama. Gamecocks still have to go to Alabama, 41st. Florida, 42. Tennessee, 70. Gamecocks, 74. Georgia, 90. Missouri, 96. Ole Miss, 111. A&M, 139. Vanderbilt, 168. By the way, Vanderbilt's athletic director, Malcolm Turner, resigns today. I thought that was interesting. He was only there a year. You know, so Vandy, <laughs> it's it's kind of a Vandy thing to see him come in and go out. I don't, I don't know. I was talking to Mike Morgan. Uh, from the uh, J.C. and Morgan podcast, who actually called the Gamecocks game against Missouri this weekend. Uh, you know, we were talking kind of about Vandy and, you know, that situation and, and the athletic director, how it's just bizarre today. And I'm, I'll tell you, this is bizarre. Be, by the way, probably have another J.C. and Morgan podcast up soon. So go ahead if you like college football talk and subscribe. It's free on iTunes or whatever. And you can get that done. It's all, all these podcasts are free now. You can just subscribe on, you know, iTunes, and it'll send you a nice little notification whenever there's a new episode. Uh, if you're an iPhone user, if that's where you do it. If not, you know, you can go on uh, Google Play uh, on your Droid. Uh, also, the Stitcher app is a really good podcasting app uh, that I would recommend. And we're all over Stitcher inside the Gamecast podcast and JC and Morgan, my two podcasts. I do. Um, and so, uh, you know, check it out. Check it out. appreciate every one of you listening. All right, so basketball signing day. Uh, tomorrow is going to be a huge day uh, for the Gamecocks all the way around. Uh, it'll certainly be uh, exciting to follow the decisions, the LOIs, listen to Will Muschamp and what he has to say, uh, and then, of course, basketball. So we've got a big day tomorrow, February 5th. Big day for the South Carolina Gamecocks overall. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I think we'll see kind of how it uh, how it plays out. I just, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, you only get a couple of days like this a year where there's a lot going on. Um, and there is a lot going on. So, you know, it's uh, – it's, uh, Kind of the day you live for as a fan. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'm out of here. Uh, this is the Inside the Gamecocks podcast with J.C. Sherbert. Uh, again, don't forget tomorrow, plenty of stuff right here on the podcast and on thebigspur.com as the second signing day happens. Everybody have a great Tuesday, and we'll holler at you soon.